Vibe Machine Welcome to Undercovers, the podcast that delves behind album art. And here we have Tob Galapo, Grammy-nominated artist extraordinaire. If you have tuned into the first episode of Todd's, you'll be all knowledged up on not only his history, but also all about live and suicide machines. And this episode kicks off right where episode one ended, talking about the incredible, the amazing, sublime. There are some great stories here. Vibe. Machine. Probably the most iconic ska punk band to come out of that for a variety of reasons. One is obviously the unfortunate premature death of, of Brad. But um, you created, and I remember when Sublime hit, and they hit us. Australia got surf culture because we are a surf culture. So right. we got all the punk bands. You know, you watch any documentary and, you know, Pennywise, Offspring, we're like, you know, Southern California got us and Australia got us. And then a little bit of the mm-hmm. surf culture in Japan. But that that was where we would be. And it's true. These guys were playing to 10,000 people before they were playing to 10,000 people anywhere else in the world. They were huge. And yeah, Sublime, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah and and I, I went to all of those shows, all the Warp tours and, and everything when they came out to Australia. So, But Sublime, Sublime were a band that in that underground sort of, if you were involved in the music scene in any way or a fan of it, you knew who they were. They were, they were cool. And then it's really odd because once Brad died... They went to be enormous, and that doesn't always happen for bands that are sort of at the level they were, you know, pre his death, and then afterwards they really jumped out when they should have. In there's no sensibility that that should have happened. But when you look back at the artwork, and the first bit of artwork that I got was the What I Got EP with Lou Dog on the front cover, of course, and I believe that was the first one you worked on. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, so. I came into the sublime world after Bradley had passed. So right. you know, I was at Hollywood. I think when that happened, the record came out on, on, uh, on MCA when I was at Hollywood and then he passed and we had come, Tim and I came back to MCA records, uh, to be back in the creative department there. And that's probably correct. As far as like what I did for, I think I still have all these singles here too, somewhere hidden in here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I wasn't on that sort of famous one with the back tattoo, but, um, with the, with Opie's, uh, uh, flower border, but everything that came after that, while, you know, that still was like a reissue or a rehash or, a mm. you know, unreleased songs or the album that never got put out that, that was me. And, and I was dealing with, at that time, I guess I was dealing, I was dealing with, uh, uh, Bradley's dad and I was dealing with mm-hmm. their manager, Miguel at the time. And I was dealing with, uh, the other, the other band members that were around. You know, and, and of course, it was Opie. a, hey, drive Which, to Long Beach. Yeah. And of course, Opie. Yep. I think I met Opie once. I mean, probably the first time I went down to meet with, to meet with them in the, you know, the Long Beach apartment by the ocean that, yes. you know, reeked of skunkweed. Um, it was, <laughs> a, it was an interesting eye-opening meeting. And, uh, you know, it was like a frat house. And, and then I got the, under, just, it just takes me one visit, one place, like go see suicide machines in concert. Great. Got the vibe. Go, you know, listen to meet with an artist recording the album and see how they react to their own music. Great. Got it. I know what to go make. Go to the, the decrepit apartment that smells like skunky <laughs> in Long Beach. Ah, I got it. I, I'm totally in it. with this band. I know what to do. Um, it, and, and that's kind of how 
that's kind of how you, I, I keep, I work each time is, is you just get the vibe and you just take it from there and you run. You don't have time to like live their life. You have to, mm. you have to know who they are and what they, what they want, and what they need with, with sublime and with Bradley, it was picking up where he left off. And it was, mm. you know, listening to his father tell stories, uh, asking his dad for more pictures of like, you know, give me any outtakes, give me anything you don't, you know, you, you don't even think you have go open boxes, go help me find things and I'll keep them here and I'll scan them and, and I'll give them back to you. And, and was his dad just someone who, think was, he, who was, was he collecting this prior to Bradley's death or would, or did he sort of become the truck? The, the not really, custodian? not really. His dad was the, his dad was the custodian, the greatest photos of, of more of the personal things of Brad or like, Hey, my son's about to go off on tour. Some of the some the local stuff and photos, yep. or he'd be able to find someone who took a photograph of that show. Right. And then yep. the band and the manager were far better at like, here's the, here's the log. Like I did uh, sublime live in concert. It was stand by your van, which was all live. Yes. yes. And it was all flyers of, you know, the band would be able to, you know, find me flyers for, to use on the insides. What I thought was pure gold was their tour book, their book that they wrote down, what they, you know, where they're going to play, when they're going to play, what awesome. the hotel they're going to stay in. And we published those notes. It was like, it was totally cool. It was like yeah, diving back cool. into history, a part of mm. what you'd never get to see um, on, on anything else, even just a regular album. So those little tidbits would come up. I've done so many sublime packages. Like it blows my mind. Um, I know they still keep you know, coming over out. the years. This, yeah. And the, the fact that Ugh. there's still so much, you know, I love the fact that his son is now getting into it and he has a band called Law and they're doing pretty well coming mm -hmm. up the ranks. And he's doing it the same way. He's doing it in the tour van. He's not really living off his dad. He's like, you know, it's cool you like my dad's band. That's cool, but come and check out my stuff. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not just going to live on my on my dad's credentials. And and I, and I I think I think the whole thing is cool. And I was I I was interested. I I we spoke to give full clarity to everyone listening. We spoke a few days ago as a bit of a, a prelude to this chat and we did talk a little bit about about getting artwork off opie and i was you know really <laughs> really curious if you could if you could relay what that experience oh, yeah. was like working okay so i think working on secondhand smoke um <laughs> that was a full-length album from sublime yes. of the unreleased stuff that they had it was an album that they just hadn't finished and I, I believe, <clears throat> thinking back about this, we I needed art. I needed art for the back cover. I needed art for the front cover border. We were going to kind of do what what you know that self titled album was, which is a border around yep. an image on the front cover. Well, at the time, Opie was incarcerated, and you know he was in. For all of those of you listening, that means he's in jail, and <laughs> he's in LA County Jail or wherever. And I, you know I have to get him. Uh, I think his mother or his sister or someone brought him paints and, and supplies. And uh, he called or the manager called. I can't remember. It's just, it's fuzzy now. But yeah, Opie's got to wait to get the supplies. He'll get this to you. Um, no problem. He's got to do, he's going to do the illustration for doing time. And he's going to do um, the borders that <laughs> while he While doing time. And I'm like, <laughs> while doing time. Literally, he was, he painted doing time while doing time. Jesus, I love bars. it. It was brilliant painting. And this stuff would come to me in like whatever form unfinished art painted on boards and it, and I just like, okay, cool. I'll scan it in and I'll see what I can make out of it. And at that point, again, it's use the computer to kind of piece these things together, but don't lose that texture of his paintings. Don't 
don't lose that integrity. And I'd like to think I did it some justice because they all seem to like it. But, um, you know, th- oh, those were just beautiful. treasure troves. His paintings were, and I still use them on sublime things that we put out. But, uh, yeah, that was brilliant. That was such a funny story, though. Oh, my God. Just <laughs> trying to get stuff out of him was taking forever because he had to wait to make a phone call or had to wait to get the supplies <laughs> or didn't have free time to do it. <laughs> Life is hard. Life is hard when you're doing time. Apparently. Yeah. There's a whole song about Don't. it. So. <laughs> be, be good, kids. Don't go to jail. <laughs> or if you do, make sure someone can get you art supplies. That's probably the... True. Um, yeah, true. And, and and another one, and this was a, a really strange one for me because I picked it up at my um, girlfriend, who is now my wife. She had this album, and I, I had thought that someone had just gone and made her a copy of this album, which is the Sublime Acoustic oh, album. Oh, I love this. Yes, I love and it. And I literally was like, been... I was like, who, what one of her friends, because she was, she came from a real surf community, my my, my wife. She, um, Newcastle in Australia is very renowned. It's where a band called Silverchair come from, and it's a lot of, um, lot of surf culture there. Huge, huge surf culture. Um, so I was like, what one of her friends is sitting there, like, making this Sublime thing that I've never <laughs> heard of before? <laughs> And you know, and why have they done this? And then I, and then she's like, "No, it's an actual thing." I went and bought it. I was like, "Literally really? one of my favorites." <laughs> and 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 honestly, I I, I wish they would just reissue that because it's just so great. <laughs> I you know, I could not believe a record label would let me get away with putting out a record without a cover. It's like, brilliant. Think about that for a second. Yeah. You're going to put out a what? We're going to, I go, I'll just make the cover look like the CD. Like, so, you know, at, to describe it to everybody, if you don't know, uh, the Sublime Acoustic album, basically it was these demo tapes that Brad's dad had and it was a big deal. And, and, and I was involved with his dad a lot for that back cover picture or two. He, you know, mm. he, he worked hard to find me some cool stuff that he thought really captured the moment of a lot of these recording of the demos. So that was super important to him. And there's a lot of mm. sentimental value in that photo that's on the back and the cover. It was like, you know, I just want, I didn't want to do a cover. It was the time when I was ripping songs to CDs and playing them in my car or making mix CDs yes. instead of mixed cassette tapes. And this was everyone like the, was doing this, it. this new generation. Everyone was doing it. And I was like, well, damn it. You know, the kind that I'm buying these days kind of looks sort of goldish. And, um, you know, why don't I just make it look like I made, you know, it's, it's a demo. <laughs> it's, and people thought I was a little crazy at the record label and, but they let me do it. And, and the, and once Bradley's dad saw it and loved it, he was like, oh yes. And, and we made it, but it's got no cover. It's just a clear jewel case with the disc in it and the inlay yep. card. I love it. I'm sure, I'm sure someone had done it before I ever did it. Cause frankly, everything's always been done, you know, art repeats itself, but I'd like to think <laughs> I did a, a decent version of it with that. It was well, just made it, with one. It was made with the right intent. Put it that way. Well, the, the, the only others that I know of, and one sort of is it is steal this album by system of a down. They sort of took a famous book yeah. and steal this book and they rehashed it. It was pretty much a blank cover. But then the next artist to really do it of any scale would be Kanye West with Yeezus. <laughs> <laughs> I remember and that I was like, actually a beautiful piece of design. It was high end design, but yes, it was cool. That's very high end design. I've spoken to the artist behind, behind that. And uh, yeah, very, very high end and literally came down to, the wire to get that design like it was. They went through many, many iterations of that, but, but it does, it has in a, in a com- completely opposite way, yet opposites attract. It, it is an album without a cover, just like yours. So I love yeah, it. And I it's love the fact. Wonderful. Yeah. I love the fact that I picked it up and just thought my wife, one of my wife's friends had made it for her. And she's like, no, you idiot. So, uh, <laughs> mission accomplished. Like, so, that, 
that yeah. actually, uh, I'll, I'll reference something when we start, uh, if we get to the Tommy Lee stuff, uh, yes, a, a good one that's similar to that. Excellent. Well, I think, ah, before we get to Tommy Lee, I wanted to cover off one other, which was the new Radicals. I'm one of those people where I love, I love a good one hit wonder. And I have this album and I love this album and I love, um, you get what you give. I love the song. I love the video clip. And I had heard of Greg, Greg Alexander before he was the new radicals. He had done a solo career. He was one of these, I'm a big fan of Ben Lee and things like that. So sort of that indie folk rock sort of thing. And he came out of that, of that era and people would listen to this young kid I mean, I think he was 16, 17, making these amazing songs. And then he, ne- and he never really went anywhere with it. He sort of had a little bit of a career in America, but not too big. And then he suddenly he does the new Radicals. And yeah. it was sort of like Incredible. a fulfillment, fulfillment of his talent. And now, of course, he's a producer and a songwriter, and he's won a couple of Grammys now. He's sort of... Oh, he's Academy Award nominated, I mean, yes, for scoring yes. film. Like, yeah, he's incredible. This guy is... So much talent in his pinky, like it's it's unbelievable. Um, and possibly one of the one of the I would say more eccentric artists I've ever worked with. I was um, going to ask. I was going to ask when when you start that young, and I just I can remember people talking about him. Was impressed. They would say Greg Alexander. Go and look it up who he was. And I can remember he was a name people would mention. When you're getting that sort of uh, accolades at a young age from from the industry. I think it naturally would make you a little bit eccentric. <laughs> I think it would. Well, let's let's talk about this one. This was a, I had no idea who, unlike you, I had no idea who Greg Alexander was. He was just he. I'm at MCA and, and they go, "Hey, Todd, here's the next album you're going to work with. His name's Greg Alexander, and he's got uh, a band called the New Radicals. We expect this to be a pretty big record, and um, you know, let's get this going. You're you're going to be in charge of the imaging and." Um, I was like, all right, well, that means I had decent budgets or something to start putting a photo shoot together. So I started hmm. meeting with him and Greg had s- specific ideas of what he wanted to do. And I will tell you, Greg wanted, to, and, and he didn't tell anybody else at the label this, he told me this. And it was, I want to sit on the front of a cop car on the hood of a cop car and smoke a joint. And I want that to be my, my album cover. <laughs> and I was like, all right, let's do it. And, and I'm like, are you sure? Um, so here's part of what I, what I, my, my process as an art, as an artist, I will always do what the artist wants me to do. And then I will also <laughs> say, let me, let me look at it from another perspective. Let me offer you this and let me build upon that idea and offer you this without their original idea ever going away. Um, <laughs> so that they have something to choose from and I can walk them through progression. So. Yeah. Literally, Greg and I would go, we, we went out scouting for props for the photo show. I said, okay, we're going to do that, but we got to do other things as well. Like we, we need to do stuff. So essentially Greg and I went looking for the right police car, the right era of police car to go rent from one of these movie studio houses. <laughs> we drove all around North Hollywood. Um, you know, and we just had a blast looking at cars. And I think at one point we were, you know, he was telling me he used to own this pacer that we were sitting in looking at. I'm like, well, you're not going to rent a pacer, right? We actually did rent a police car. No joke. It was rented. Nice. It was at the studio. We we did. We literally shot this a- actual cover somewhere on film. This exists. And and yes, if we ever wanted to have an alternate cover, which we probably should have done for the 20th anniversary. Oh, uh, I was going to say, 25th um, anniversary is coming up. <laughs> maybe 25th we can do it. Yes. But uh, anyway, 
So we get to the, we do the photo shoot. We, uh, Jill Greenberg, very, very talented photographer was the, I think this is the first album she ever shot or maybe the second that she ever worked with. And we'd never worked together before, but she was excellent. Greg, I'd, I'd known, you know, we, Greg and I'd been working together for a, a little, you know, a couple months just before this shoot, maybe two months. So hmm. I knew him and he shows up at the shoot and he says, Hey Todd, uh, come over here. I, I, I want to, you know, hold on some stuff for me. You know, trust anybody around here. I'm like, okay. He hands me a wad of rolled up cash and said, here's $3,500 in, in, in this, you know, roll. It was just rolled up. It wasn't, there was no rubber band around <laughs> or anything. And he handed me a pocket full of keys on no key ring, maybe 20 keys, just random keys. And I had to, I stuffed them in my pockets and I was, I was his locker for the day. I've never <laughs> had that happen to me before. I was like, what? And what do these keys unlock? Uh, That's the, and, and where was this the drug deal going from, down? Yeah, this, I, I do not know. I do not know. And then, and then, so, okay, go get, go get, go get into makeup, Greg. Just go, you know, go, let's get started. <laughs> 15 minutes later, the makeup artist comes out and says, Todd, we got a problem. I go, what? She goes, he's orange. I go, what do you mean he's orange? I walk back there. I go, Greg, I'm, I'm looking at the makeup lights and clearly he has an orange tint to him. And the makeup artist doesn't have something to cover up orange skin because she'd already met with him before and he, she knew what foundation he, she was going to put on him and everything for makeup. He goes, well, I drank a lot of carrot juice for, I go, well, how much carrot juice? He goes, I drank it for five days straight because I wanted to look like I had a tan. Oh, oh. <laughs> for those of you that don't know, if you drink a lot of carrot juice, your no, skin's going to turn orange. And then a photograph, it looks really bad. So, <laughs> you know. So a bit, bit, bit uh, of a sad story. I've got a, fa a family friend and, and she was, she was terminally ill with cancer. And the only thing that she could taste was carrot juice. And Ooh. she literally turned orange. So I can vouch that if you drink yeah. enough orange juice, you will turn you orange. You will turn orange. Don't do it, but, people. you know, it wasn't horrible. We sent her out. She got what she needed to, to fix up what we needed to. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I, it, it was, it was an, it was an interesting shoot. It was one of my bigger first couple of shoots I did as an art director. And, you know, the rest of that process, there were these weird requests. Like, uh, and, and, and I, I won't take credit for it. He wanted barcodes on, on uh, on on every shot, he needed to have a barcode on his hand or on his. Foot I was going to ask. I was going to ask shoulder. the barcode. Yep. They're everywhere. Yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah, and barcode um, the world. And once that, he explained it to me, I'd get it. Yeah, yeah. Because that that that's obviously. I think there was a book came out at that time called Barcode the World. I remember a lot of my friends were suddenly at this era getting tattoos of barcodes. <laughs> The back of their neck and yeah, well, and his point, things. but his point was, we are all just a number. I mean, it, it, mm. one day we will all just be a number. Now, Greg well, the point, himself yeah. also, you know, he brought several CDs with, you know, uh, a la make it make your make your CDs at home um, was mm. the era, and he brought several of them to play, you know, over the sound system at the studio. And <clears throat> I shit you not, these were all there were three CDs all filled with one hit wonders. There were there was never two songs by any one band. <laughs> He was obsessed <laughs> with one hit wonders. And then he and created one I of the biggest. So, and he created one of the biggest one hit wonders. I, I swear to you, he is a genius. And that was all, I think that was all intentional all along. This guy is so damn smart and so damn talented. And he knew what he wanted to do. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, we went and made that art. It was one of my favorite covers. I wanted it to be a lenticular. I wanted it to be in a, a lenticular. Back then was, you know, just put it inside a grooved, uh, mm. um, jewel case cover so that those those rays would spin around in a circle around him and i have one mock-up somewhere of that actual <laughs> cover that was too expensive the record label didn't want to make it. it and it was gorgeous it was per it was perfect pop art but if on my website i actually recreated it a couple years ago and digitally and and it moves if you go wow. to that, that uh, project on my website so um 
you know, how it was intended to originally be. And then 20 years later, we just did the LP, which I never, we never made vinyl for until 20 years later. And then I heard Greg was happy, you know, he was, tell Todd, I say, hi, this looks great. Approved. You know, that was the last I had heard of him, but, um, wow. But happy, happy to have done LP. And it fits, it fits with what you're saying that he, he, you, now that you said it, you can see he deliberately went out. He had this one song. He's like, you know what? I can fill the rest of this album with whatever I like because this one song is going to do it for me. The rest of it's pretty but he good. Filled but he this... the album. But he filled the album with all great songs, though. As an album, the great songs. One of my top yeah. tens. Like that yeah. is something. Uh, if I, you know, the, your ten albums are done on a desert island. That one certainly would cheer you up. That one's a yeah. great record to listen to. Most definitely, he knew yeah. that this song. And once you have that song, it's hard to back it up. So he's like. Phew done it now let's just get into the next yeah why put the pressure on yourself yeah Yeah. go be a producer go be a writer and just yeah yeah smart guy i told you really smart yeah 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 yeah. and i love the fact that now that you've said that the 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 next single after that was maybe you've been brainwashed too which is the album title as well but Mm -hmm. that was the next single and maybe maybe we all have been brainwashed so very maybe we have very tricky very tricky and this and the disc itself that's one disc that you know, I just, the only thing on it is that album title and I wanted it to be a, a reflection of you. It's, it's supposed to be a mirror. You're supposed to be looking in the mirror mm. and saying, maybe you've been brainwashed too. take a look at yourself. That's the significance of just that CD being blank. That is very cool. Very smart. You and him together. It was right at the time when Britpop, it has that sort of Britpoppy feel to it. It's mm-hmm, just mm-hmm, perfect, yeah. perfect in every way. And that is a perfect Time to jump into something that's completely different. Let's go to Tommy Lee. And maybe, it's, <laughs> maybe, maybe in a way, it's not that different because he and I believe that that you began working with him on Methods of Mayhem, which was not a one-hit wonder, but it was it was a side project. It was a it was a, hey, I'm no longer in in Motley Crue. And if anyone's seen the Motley Crue movie, I watched it again, I think last night it was. It's um, it's fitting that, that they would all splinter like they did <laughs> after everything they'd been through. But uh, yeah. I'm keen on the story. I'm also really interested in the illustrator for the first album because his name's Derek Hess. And Derek Hess has done artwork for Fugazi and Matchbook Romance and the, D- um, the Lizard... The Jesus Lizard and all these amazing bands. Yes. Was, one, one, one of my questions was, how, how did you or the band or Tommy, I should say, come across Derek and how did you build that relationship? I'm trying to remember how, it was, if it was Tommy <laughs> or me, I don't remember. I honestly don't know who introduced me to, to Derek Hess. Um, I, at, at a record label, you get a lot of uh, solicitation mail from photographers. You, you'll get these cards, mm. these sort of, sort of six by nine or, you know, It'll be an illustrator. It'll be a photographer. You get promo pieces mailed to you like, hey, hire me. And I would tape them up all over my wall. So I don't know. It could have been from from something <laughs> someone saw or or he could have said, I got this dope friend, Derek. He's going to do all my illustrations. I don't know. But um, maybe Tom, if I asked Tommy, he probably wouldn't remember. But the uh, he had just, you know, funny enough, actually, he had just gotten out of being incarcerated when I started working with him. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, yes, he just got out of jail. Yes, he was still with Pamela at the time. Uh, Tommy had some dreadlocks, uh, little itty-bitty ones, um, and had made friends with another buddy he was incarcerated with, and they were making music there. They were writing music, and he got out and was, and he put this uh, all these beats down and was making this album. And 
uh, I did that illustration that was the logo on the cover was sort of Tommy's mm. head and the dreadlocks of his, yes. uh, of his partner at the time and, uh, in this, in Methods of Mayhem. And I made something kind of hypnotic, which is a little reminiscent of what I'd done with New Radicals. It was just sort of a hypnotic pattern because that's what the mm. music was like to me. It was just like uncha uncha and, you know, techno and rock all and hip hop all mixed. I wanted it to sort of hypnotize you. And then inside were all these illustrations by Derek and I had Tommy write out all the lyrics and kind of mm. compose them. Now, Derek, Derek's illustrations are incredible, but yes. along with Derek's illustrations, I got my first taste of what it was like to deal with the sales department at our major record label, get kickback from a Walmart because, nah. when, because when they would say, Hey, here's the album that we're going to come out with Tommy Lee and we're going to show you the illustrations and they're And they're like, yeah, those illustrations there, we're not going to sell that at Walmart. So literally oh. there was the, it was R rated version of the album package. And then there was the PG rated version, which had black dots over all of the private parts and nipples and buttholes that were <laughs> around the illustration. So if you bought that album, that copy that album, I'm not sure which one you have, but hopefully you have the unedited one. Um, Once again, it's, it's one that my one. wife bought and I think she's got the censored version. Not from Walmart, but I think I think it's a censored. So um, the censored the version is not a, not a quite as fun, but yeah. Well, I need I uh, need to find the original. One of the things I do love about my wife and I is that we have very similar music tastes, and we both had huge record collections. Probably one of the reasons we got together <laughs> is that I I, <laughs> that I, I could reason. I could double up on some albums, and I could get ones that I wanted. So there you go. Um, music brings later. people together. It does, mm-hmm. it does, and and this was one of the albums that that she had. So, um, once again, very very cool, amazing artwork, and it, how hilarious that that you you had the Guns and Roses appetite for destruction thing happen to you with Tommy Lee. <laughs> oh, pretty hilarious, right? Yeah. <laughs> but then then you started you build a relationship with Tommy, which, like you said, you've still got going today. What's yeah, he like? Tommy was incredible. Is- is he involved in the artwork a lot, or or is he one of those guys? Because I just get the impression he he'd be a little bit scattery a lot of the time. Um, well, no, ha- Tommy is um, Tommy's just a Tommy's a big kid. I mean, honestly, and I think you know, look, <laughs> when you're a rock star when you're 17 years old, um, oh yeah, you know, if you watch if you watch the dirt, you get it. You're a kid at heart, and and that's really what I was still a kid at the time. I was doing his stuff, but. When I left MCA Records, I think I left MCA Records. I left working in a record label at the beginning of 2000, and by you know the, a month later, uh, like February, maybe I left, and like by March, I was had my own studio. And Tommy uh, said, "Hey, I'm coming out with my next record, and I want you to do it." He came to me outside of the record label, and the record label supported. They you know they paid the bills, they hired me, and and you know that was. Uh, another great experience. That's the last record I made with Tommy until, <clears throat> until we're just talking now. And, um, he is incredibly involved just as much as he is with the music, but he's not telling me what to do. He's like, you make the art. You're the art guy. You know, that's the same reason why he's calling me 20 years later to work on the next record. Like, okay, Todd, I know you, you, you know how I am. You know how, how to mm. do this and let's, mm. let's get back together. Um, very so cool. this, this, very this cool. next project should be a lot of fun. Um, but uh, you want me to talk about this next album for a second? Cause yeah, yeah. I don't um, want to skip over n- anything. But No, never a dull moment. I love the artwork. So really keen to find out how. Never a dull moment. Yeah. This is, okay, so never a dull moment was, um, as a designer, look, you pick up different things. You play with a camera, mm. you play with a paintbrush, you play with draw, you know, illustration. I've done kind mm. of a little bit of everything. 
But this is when I started my own studio, Meat and Potatoes, and we were doing a lot of stuff by hand and ourselves. And, and this album cover is, is, you know, it's about, it, it exists at real size. It's made, the front cover was, I was into Hockney at the time. And David Hockney, and you know those Polaroids he did were amazing. Um, those Polaroid uh, collages, and um, I said, well, "How can I do something different?" I had like three cool Polaroids that were just those old-fashioned instamatics sitting mm. around the studio, and we we had been playing with them uh, like a week or so prior uh, to me pitching the idea to Tommy. But I was taking a loop. Uh, a loop is what uh, the magnifying glass that you'd put over a contact sheet back when you would print, uh, you know, work yes. with regular film, and you'd look yes. at the uh, you'd look at the little photographs and you'd see all the details. You'd say, oh, I want to print this one. I taped a loop to the front lens of a Polaroid camera, and it made wow. it into a macro Polaroid. So what it did was it made me an image that was an. If I held the Polaroid up, I had a little spacer I put on the front of the Polaroid. So that I knew how far away to hold it from. I had to experiment with this in the studio. And granted, I didn't really perfect this till two nights before I scheduled the photo shoot with Tommy. <laughs> I said, oh, I got this idea. I've made this macro Polaroid and I've got all these pictures of you. And, and I said, shit, how do I do it? Uh, so I, I had taped all the stuff together. I, it took a one and a half square inch area off of his face and I held that Polaroid up to it. Um, maybe two and a half square inches. It wasn't, it wasn't a lot, but, um, and Tommy sat still wow. for two and a half hours while I did a portrait of his face. Now, for a that guy who, so cool. who has a lot of energy, that was really trying for him. So <laughs> the two of us had to really get along well. And not only did I do him that day, I did two, three other band members that day that were there. Wow. And so I had, the, I had these massive, you know, 36 by 36 pretty much pieces of art that I'd done. And this is mm. framed. It's still sitting in my house. I'm actually going to return this big framed piece of art to Tommy. I just texted him the other day and said, do you want this? He's like, hell yeah. Um, Sweet. so it's going to be, it's going to live with him now framed. Um, and, uh, yeah, 20, 20 years later, but the whole idea was actually what I was going to do with Tommy was I was, the cover was really intended to photograph him from his head to his feet, butt naked with his hands over his crotch. And of I course. wanted to photograph every tat, every <laughs> tattoo of him and the, and the album was going to roll down in a, in a roll fold, uh, until Very I actually clever. did the math because, because I did not figure out, like I said, two days before I actually <laughs> put together the loop onto the thing and realized when I did the calculations and I'm drawing this out, I go, holy shit, I need 1500 pieces of Polaroid film <laughs> to actually make this piece of art. So which means I really need about 2000. And not only can I not afford that to do this record, this record label is going to kill me because they already approved the photo shoot budget. So there's no way I can go back. So I'm just, okay, they're going to be portraits now, Tommy. And I'm going to do outtakes that'll be all different tattoos and parts of your body, which make up the inside. So I have tons of tattoo Polaroid nice. photographs of Tommy at the time. But um, so that made, <laughs> that made for the singles and that made for other promotional materials. But I'll tell you, it was hilarious that I thought I could take that many Polaroids and didn't know it till two nights before the shoot. Well, um, now for the new album, <clears throat> that's your challenge. You have to recreate that Tommy 2019 the drop down <laughs> that just drop it all for me Tommy. yes that, that would be good and, and the thing that was on this the, the, this is hilarious the, if you look at that cd do you have a do you own a copy of the disc no i don't have that one so okay so the disc itself we got i think there were about 50 copies overall sent back to the record label because people complained that their discs were scratched i had actually scanned scratches into the computer and then <laughs> printed them on the disc 
So I made the disc look like it was scratched and no one could actually tell because I wanted it to look like it had been dragged across the floor and people sent nice. it back saying my disc is scratched. Nice. And I just, and we all got the greatest kick out of that. That is literally one of my favorites, favorite that fuck is, yous to yeah. anyone, anywhere of like, I fooled you. You know, yeah, I fooled that's, you and that is yeah. what this was about. So yeah. I love it if they got sent another another copy, like a different copy with the, with the scratch on there. No, they got the same <laughs> copy sent back to them. That was the only art we ever made, which is hilarious. So they had to go back with letters saying, no, that's really what it is supposed that, to that's be. That's what it is. That's what it is. I love it. I love it. And and so, and so, Tommy, obviously, now that Motley Crue are not touring per se at the moment or anymore, whatever they're doing, he's obviously got uh, – he's obviously picking up his solo career again. So it is – amazing that you're that you're jumping jumping back into that into that world yeah i'm not giving away any secrets by any means because if you follow him on social media he posts everything about him in the studio you know (laughs) mixing stuff and playing with stuff so you can hear his beats right there but um yeah it's it's i can't wait to the have the opportunity to work with him again it'll be it'll be like a reunited uh time oh Oh, it's amazing that's amazing and and from there todd i wanted to jump to another Another band that they're not one hit wonders, but in Australia they pretty much are. And the band are Semisonic. And they oh, have the song yeah. Closing Time, which you not only did the album artwork for, you did the single artwork for. To give you an idea, there is a rock station in Australia called Triple M, and Triple M is like the, the, the rock station around the country. They would play this song at least once a day. I don't think I ever, if I'm in the car listening to and from work, and I only drive to a train station and back, I think I would hear that two or three times a week, that song. It's one of those (laughs) songs that is just constantly on the radio. You know, and the fact that they're from Minneapolis, which is just amazing to me because of the Huskadoo and the replacements and, you know, Prince and all, all that stuff. So I was really, really interested in your thoughts on... I guess I'm working with Semisonic, but but also your thoughts knowing that that you know there are people out there listening to this song constantly so many years later. Yeah, it's incredible. And again, another one we just did the 20th anniversary and put it out on vinyl. So here I am again wow. going back to records I did. You know, I don't know what that says for me still doing record package design 25 20 years later, but hey, it's it's fun. I love I it. Mean, it keeps me <laughs> young at heart, man. I mean, it, it does. What the hell? And this is a cool lot of fun. So I get to, you know, yeah, Dan you Wilson lives yeah. down the street from me now. So it's oh, so he comes over. We sit there and look through the old photo shoot. I call it the photographer. He sends me whatever he has left from the photo shoot. So basically, you know, the sad part was, uh, so I'll, let's fast forward here to the 20th anniversary. The photo shoot was yep. lost at the record label. So right. none of it yes. could be refound. In, in the However, fire. the photographer in the fire, uh, whatever. The, yes, the <laughs> photographer held on to all the outtakes. So he oh. luckily had images that I could dig back into to make the 20th, 20th anniversary album. So there's photos in there that were never released before. So we, Dan so and I cool. would sit here and, and dig through them. And I have mad respect for Dan. He's an incredible artist and mm. a songwriter. Uh, you know, he's, he's gone and win multiple Grammys for writing music. But that particular album was one of my most elaborate, uh, still young art director photo shoots. I mean, we coordinated a show in Minneapolis. They put out a list to all their fans and friends, come see us play. We're going to do a photo shoot. We're throwing basically a party. So hmm. I got this documentary photographer, Ken Schles, out of New York to come 
photograph the entire night. And, and the next day we were out in the snow in Minneapolis and, you know, some of these shots, I'd be sitting in the van freezing because I'm a Florida guy, <laughs> Florida, blue, warm, you know, and they're all standing outside. What are you doing, Todd? Come on out. You know, we're just hanging out in the snow doing a photo shoot. Um, the, the, uh, that's why they're all in coats on the cover. I mean, it was one of the least places where there were snow in the city for the album cover photo. So the inside's all just this party. And really it was just, it, it was, it was an elaborate, uh, you know, fun time. And I got to listen to the whole album recorded live. I, awesome. I wonder if they, if there was ever, I don't know if there's any video of that, but it was, it was just a blast that, that album was so good and is so good. It stood the test of time. It has. And that's, that's sure. that song. The minute I saw Semisonic, I was like, I, I know. I instantly, I didn't even have to look down the list. I knew that you had been involved in some way in closing time. I just, <laughs> I just knew it. And you did. I, I don't even, know. But... I, I, I think even since you, even since I, I said I was going to talk to you a couple of week or two ago, I've probably heard that song on the radio fifteen times since then. So it's I just oh, oh really? Back. That's hilarious. It's, just, it's one of those songs where they sort of, I think it must be a certain time. And songs that go for certain times, they play more regularly than others. For instance, Blur's um, song number two is only like two minutes and five seconds. So they do that before news breaks. That's why you always hear it on radio. I spoke to someone on radio mm-hmm. and they told me that. There you go. So it, there's huh. a hint, everyone. If you want to have a hit on radio, have a really good song, but have it really short. <laughs> super, super short and catchy. Yeah, super that short helps. and catchy. And, and they will play it for decades. But moving <laughs> away from Semisonic, and thank you for filling that in, it's an amazing story once again, is that your website, and I do love mentioning artist websites because I want, the, the whole idea of this is I'd love for an artist to be listening to this and go check out, you know, one of the designer's work, contact them and be doing artwork for them. That's that's the dream. But uh, you have Meat and Potatoes, which is Meatoes, M-E-A-T-O-E-S dot com everyone out there make sure you go and check it out and with that it's closing time for the second of our three-part chat with todd galapo see what i did there with the closing time thing clever right well not really but while you are busy readying yourself for the third and final episode of our chat where we talk about grammy award nominations joe satriani guns and roses and more why don't you move your finger or your mouse to the rating section of this podcast and give it a review. It would mean the world to me if you did that, and I thank you in advance. Vibe. Machine.